another episode of The Wall, Behind and Beyond. I'm your host, Philip A. Jones. Tonight, we are speaking to a sister who has not only an extensive, but an impressive resume. We saw her on the Sunday morning show, Matter of Fact, with Soledad O'Brien. And we wanted to highlight her powerful story, as well as the work she is doing in her community. She is formerly incarcerated, but that's just a minute part of her story. She has many more accomplishments to speak of than she does setbacks, which is why I wanted to interview her, which brings me to her work, which which is creating support networks for women and girls who have been impacted by incarceration. Without further delay, let's hear from our guests. Welcome, sister, and thank you for being here. Can you tell our listeners your name and speak a bit about your work and your story? Well, thank you, Philip. My name is Elfinette Morton, uh, and as <laughs> Philip so eloquently uh, stated, I am uh, much more than formerly incarcerated. Uh, currently, I am housing director at an organization named Operation Restoration, uh, and our focus is formerly and currently incarcerated women and girls. We run on a daily basis uh, at least 15 different programs. Uh, we have college and prison programs. We have a women's clinic, uh, women's first clinic, actually, where currently we, about three weeks ago, started a lab assistance program uh, for formerly incarcerated women. Because as, as you know, Philip, uh, it's hard for us when we come out to get the kind of jobs that could sustain families. And so as an organization, uh, founded and ran by formerly incarcerated women, we know every barrier, every obstacle there is out there for people like us. I'm a mother of five adult children, three boys, two girls, and I'm a grandmother of 14. People say that I'm an advocate. I just get out every day and I see the struggles of my people and I do something about it. That's powerful, sister. I appreciate that. And, uh, that's exactly what it is that you're doing, and uh, we, we appreciate the work. Um, it's an honor to have you here. The first question I would like to ask you is, what is your background, you know, in particular? You know, because a lot of times our listeners don't understand uh, some of the struggles or, you know, what what takes people down the path of life that they go. Sure. So I was the youngest of two. Uh, my mom was the only child. She had two daughters. Uh, myself and my sister Tammy, who unfortunately uh, passed away while I was in prison this last time from sickle cell. And uh, I was raised in the Calliope Housing Project, which uh, was one of the most notorious housing projects in the city of New Orleans when I was coming up in, in that environment. And so as, you know, a, a female coming up in that type of environment, no brothers, uh, with my mom anyway, my dad had a few sons, but you know, in the household, there was no brothers. And then my dad wasn't there either. I was 14 years old, uh, hanging on the corner, selling drugs because my mom was struggling and, and I wanted to be a part of something. Didn't fully understand what I was a part, had began to be a part of. But as I learned more, I wanted more. Because, you know, when you're introduced to that lifestyle, you're only introduced to the glamour. You're never introduced to what else could happen. Oh, man. I can hear you. And um, 
it's so relatable because I come from the streets of Baltimore and it's similar. I think every ghetto in America um, is basically the same. You know, there's drugs, there's hustlers, there's, there's users. Even the, the listeners a graphic description of what that looks like and how you came up. I'm quite sure that for those that hear you, that may not have ever experienced these type of things, it does bring a, a vivid picture um, of what a lot of uh, kids from the inner city had to grow up uh, looking at and dealing with. So thank you for that. And I'm going to go to the next question. When did you uh, go to prison and how long were you there? So, uh, Philip, I actually went to prison four times. First time, well, I was actually in the parish jail as a Department of Corrections inmate. And that was the first time I, I actually did time was in uh, 1996. I was arrested at the age of 17 uh, for possession. In New Orleans at 17, I was considered an adult. And then not long after that, I found myself pregnant with my first son. Something changed in me. Like I, I constantly wanted out. My last time, the judge <laughs> sentenced me to 80 months. And when I asked my attorney, how much was that in years? When he told me <laughs> six years and eight months, the only thing that I could think about, Philip, was how old my children would be when I was released. That's deep. And uh, you know something, I was thinking about what you were saying, that you were thinking about them. I know you were thinking about them. Because, see, I understand that you found yourself in a situation where you have to support You have 60 seconds remaining. Yeah, but I know you were thinking about them because everything you did at that point was so that you could sustain your family. People don't get that or understand that all the time. You sustain and take care of them. That's the recording, so I'm going to pick it back up on the other side, and then we'll pick it up from there with another question. Hey, everybody. Um, I just wanted to say, go to my website, Grant Parole to Philip, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-O-L-E-T-O-P-H-I-L-L-I-P.com, and scroll down. You'll see a link to donate for my legal fees as I'm in need of a criminal attorney. Um, I also have another link to donate to my GoFundMe for mental health expenses. Thank everybody for your support and thank everybody for the love they've been showing me. I appreciate it. And um, God willing, you know, it'll make a difference and I'll be home soon. There was something else that you said in terms of coming back out and going back to the same environment. I was, as you were speaking, that was hitting me also because I know people who have got out and have returned back to the same environment. And that's one of the main things that you have to learn when you decide that enough is enough is that I cannot return back to the same place and the same people. That is a part of your reentry is that you have to make sure that you are surrounding yourself uh, by wholesome, uh, healthy uh, people that are not doing things that are going to be returning you back to that path of self-destruction. How did you end up spending your time while you were there? Mainly the last uh, time you was incarcerated. Yeah, so the last time, Philip, I, I have to be honest, like the first year that I was in prison this last time, I was so angry. And, and, and so I, I stayed locked up a lot that first year. 
eight months into that sentence, Hurricane Katrina hit. I had left five children right before I got arrested. My 17-year-old niece uh, came to live with me. And so my children at the time were 16, 14, 12, 11, and 10. When Hurricane Katrina hit, it was almost four months before I, I heard anything. I didn't know if they had made it out or not. I knew nothing. And so for those four months, I began to just reflect on, am I going to leave this place the same way I came? And if I am, I need to just stay here. Because if I leave here the way I came, I begin to think about my education, right? When you get into these classes. So signed up for some of the classes, got into the GED program. God would have it. The week that I went into the GED program, they were doing the pretest, and I took the test and I actually passed it. And so a couple of weeks later, I took the actual GED and then I passed it. And so now it's like, what next? And I wanted to time it where when I leave prison, it would be fresh and I would, I would have the knowledge freshly under my belt. You know, I worked in the field, which is hard labor. You know, I worked in the maintenance shop, but I timed it to where I was going to take this office systems class because I knew I was going to need to know how to use a computer when I leave. But what happened to me in prison this time was that my mind changed, my thoughts changed. And I also knew that my kids wouldn't be able to handle me dying. I promise you, Philip, God was in the plan every step of the way. At the age of 40, I found out I could go to college. At the age of 45, I graduated. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Congratulations. You showed right there uh, my next question. when I was going to ask you what was the catalyst that made you say enough, I'm done. And now I can see from your answer partially what that was. Because uh, myself, you know, when I lost my brothers um, and my mother while I was incarcerated, while I'm still incarcerated, uh, the grief that I felt was so strong and so overbearing that I couldn't function. I felt like yeah. I was dying or that a part of my soul had died also with them. And uh, yes. so I can relate to you in terms of what happened with your sister and then with your son being shot while you were in. Um, so I know all about that. And I understand that that could have been something that took you off your course. But instead, you used that and you, and you remembered that I need to be out there with my loved ones and you, you stayed your course. And uh, so I salute you uh, for that. If you want to uh, answer anything more about that, please feel free. Philip, while I was in, my second son ended up going to prison. And he was right across the fence from me. And they had what they called the inner institutional visits, right? Of course, I, I wanted to see him and I went over and we did the visitation thing. But in that moment, I realized this has grabbed hold of my children now. And I will not, I will not continue to come to these places and give this illusion to my children that it's okay. It wasn't okay. And, and just trying to mend those relationships. It took time. Um, I can uh, attest to that myself. Um, I left a four-month-old daughter um, out there. And I'm still in prison. Um, she's, she's turning 32 tomorrow. And um, I deal with some of the same okay. things. You can't parent from prison. 
And I do realize that there is resentment. You know, I understand where it comes from, you know. The only thing mm -hmm. we can do is love our kids, continue to be there, no matter if they're angry. You know, for any listeners that uh, have the same uh, struggles that they have to get overcome. What the sister said is real and true. I can definitely bear witness. Um, do you believe that people are a product of their environment? Uh, meaning Absolutely. We can only do what we were taught or shown to do and that we have all been shaped by our life experience. Do you believe that? I absolutely do. Here's why. I mean, I just shared a lot of that. Until that professor told me that I had access to a higher education, I never knew it. Nobody in my environment had ever shared that with me. I, I had never saw it. And I was 40. I, I wasn't in my 20s. I wasn't in my 30s. I was 40 years old. Even my, my executive director, Sarita Stide, who is the founder and executive director of Operation Restoration, when her and I first met and she was beginning this organization, it was focused and centered on education. And then when she heard my story, because she just automatically thought that education was something everybody had because that was a part of her story. That wasn't a part of my story. And it kind of changed her trajectory of the organization. Also, because when I came home, I didn't have anywhere to live, like live. My mother, who lived in a senior living facility, could not have anybody live with her. It's where I ended up. And I hid in that facility for a year. I'm hiding in that house. We had no wells to go. A lot of people turn their backs on us. Sometimes we don't have a reentry plan because we, we wasn't given the tools necessary to have that in place. It is definitely what you said about the environment because, like you said, we don't see a lot of people going to college from the hood or a lot of people going to college from the projects. And so thank you very much for sharing that and uh, being real and upfront about that. What accomplishments since being out are you most proud of? I have to say, before uh, before April 29th, it was graduating from college. But as of April 29th of this year, I purchased a home because I needed my daughter to understand that this is something that was possible. I had to show them in everything that I learned positive. I would show them. I would share with them. Awesome. I, li I like to hear that too because some people think when you go away, your children get left behind and may not have you there as a caretaker that they're automatically going to follow in your footsteps. But there are success stories where the children, you know, turn out just fine, are able to, you know, still do what they need to do to survive in a, in a, in a way that's uh, law-abiding and Getting the education and going to going to work, taking care of the kids, etc. Um, it's not always that story. So for those listening, sometimes it does turn out that way. My daughter, in particular, also uh, it's not about me, but you know she's never been in trouble. She finished school. Um, she's worked all her life since she was adult of adult age. She's a singer. She's got mm -hmm. singles out. She's doing very well, and she's still uh, managing to. Outdo herself every day, opening businesses and so forth. So I know That's great. that what you're saying is the case. And uh, I'm glad to hear that your daughters were able to maintain and that they were able to stay on course uh, even while you were gone and now to this day. Even more, uh, Philip, my youngest son, 
he's, uh, you know, in this city alone, a young black man without convictions is not really heard of. He doesn't have any, right? And yeah. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. And my two sons, older sons that do, I mean, they don't have no new ones. So I'm grateful for that. That's right. You know? God definitely heard you. God heard you and he blessed you. Um, you. You know, you can come from the worst situation and rise up and be in the best. You know what I'm saying? Life is a full circle. So, yeah. you know, I'm grateful to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you, 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 uh, your sons are doing well and they're back on track. Tell us about the work you're doing now because, you know, we've been excited about that ever since we saw your, your show. Um, and the projects you have coming up. I am now the housing director. Uh, Hope House NOLA, the transition house that Soledad uh, spoke about, that came from a partnership that, that Operation Restoration did with the ladies of Hope Ministry. Uh, Topeka K. Sam is the executive director of that organization. And Sarita Saad is the executive director of Operation Restoration. Uh, some years ago, met Topeka and always talked to her about my vision being a, a, a house for women when they came home. Because again, when I was released, housing insecurities was one of my biggest issues. And so she had already started one in New York. You know, she got with Sarita and we found the house. And again, it was God's plan. Got into that partnership and I managed, I, I opened and managed that house for two years. God puts you in places for a season. And once the assignment is done, then it's time to take on the next assignment. I'm now uh, the housing director and, and I'm being tasked with meeting with government officials and federal government to understand how their policy and the decisions that they're making are affecting our people. You're not, you're not going to make those decisions without us. If they're going to affect us, we need to be there. You're right. We need a seat at the table on anything that has an effect on our lives um, and our existence as people. Um, and so you get that on the nose. And congratulations on all of the projects and the work that you've been doing um, to better not only our community, but individuals. But when we're in those rooms and we're at those tables, we can't just go along to get along, right? Sometimes, and I understand picking our battles. I understand that more. But some battles pick me. Well, with that being said, I wanted to um, ask you what message would you like our listeners to take away from this interview? And also, how can someone support you or follow you? Sure, Phillips. What I've got coming up, I'll kind of pivot from the housing piece. I wrote a curriculum on healing, right? A self-care, self-help curriculum. I started another LLC called SWAP, Southern Women with Amazing Purpose. I'm about to pilot the curriculum this coming Saturday with some formerly incarcerated women because it's something I want to bring to the prison. The women I left, I know they're full of trauma because I left prison full of trauma. As far as the organization, Operation Restoration, we have a website, www.or-nola.org, and you'll be able to see all of the amazing work that we're doing. We have two offices, but our first office is dead in the middle of the Melphamine Housing Project, which is in my hood, right? And that was intentional. That's it. That's great. I want to thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to answer these questions and to let everybody know what's really going on. 
I feel it, and I know they're going to feel it, too. And I look forward to working Thank with you. Thank you so much, Billy. I appreciate you, my brother. I was so excited. I mean, I'm honored to be in conversation with you. Well, thank you so much for being here. I love this. Your story is powerful in and of itself. But all of the other things that you shared that people may not get an opportunity to hear uh, because people don't have a clue. And sometimes, not only do they not have a clue, sometimes they say, oh, I didn't know this type of stuff was going on. I didn't, I wasn't aware. So what we try to do is bring that awareness right to their ears, right to their cars, right to their homes. You know what I'm saying? So that way, absolutely. nobody can say they didn't know. Absolutely. 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 What I did want to, uh, I gave them the website for Operation Restoration, right? I mean, I have social media. I'm not really on it a lot, but they could follow me on Instagram at greatness underscore is underscore a mindset. And also I'm on Facebook, Dolphin and Morton. I'm gonna I know for me. So follow, follow her Instagram and follow uh, and send her a friend request to Facebook for mine as well. And everybody that's listening that wants to, you know, follow you and stay up on what mm-hmm. you got going on because I'm sure they haven't heard the last I know you're going to do some more big things. I mean, each one, teach one. That's one, that's one of the models that uh, I like to see a lot. All right. All right. Good Love night. It. Good night.